If you consider yourself a disruptor or an aspiring disruptor, you need to check out the Disruptors Leadership Academy, which starts on August 13th, that was created by yours truly and my badass colleague, DEI consultant, Abiola Bala. This 12-session online program is for leaders, professionals, and those committed to interrupting oppressive systems in their work and care to learn, unlearn, and relearn what it means to disrupt and dismantle beyond performative actions, explore sustainable methods that maximize impact and minimize burnout, and uplift their self-care in a manner that will support their labor and healing. We created the Disruptors Leadership Academy because we know how lonely and how deep the burnout can be. And yet this work in a sustainable way is necessary in the workplace. Whether you are an employee in an organization or are self-employed, the Disruptors Leadership Academy is here to hold you and guide you through. Get the program information and apply at https colon slash slash bit dot slash dla My friends, 15 spots are available and applications close on July 28th. We hope to see you in the Disruptors Leadership Academy. You're listening to The Humaning Podcast with real conversations as we call bullshit on everything capitalism, the patriarchy, and white supremacy culture has duped us into believing about self-care, mental health, fitness, wellness, and all things life. I am Steph Galante, and I created this show to support badass people doing solidarity work in pursuit of disrupting these systems in their lives and communities. Together, we'll discuss how systems of oppression are keeping us unwell and disconnected from ourselves and each other, and how to best support you in creating more aligned self-care practices that will help you human more easily. It's the shit we need to talk about. Hey, friend. With this episode airing on the 4th of July, which is Independence Day here in the United States, it would be very remiss of me to not address the complexity of this observance in our country where freedom, whose definition is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint, according to the Googler, of course, it's not, you know, freedom in that definition is not truly afforded to all. And so whether you are listening on the 4th or days after, I encourage you to take time. Now, maybe pause this episode right now, later, tomorrow, in all the days ahead. I encourage you to reflect and remain in reflection on the freedoms, privileges, and advantages you hold based on your identities and their proximities to power. And this includes race, skin color, wealth, education, access to drinking water and groceries, gender, sexuality, your ability, and whether or not you have some or significant disability, mental health, neurodiversity, body size, housing, your citizenship, your first language, and particularly whether or not you speak English as your first language or well as your second language, because let's be real, especially here in the United States. There are so many other identities as well. 
And it is clear that when it comes to freedoms and privileges and advantages, I am not talking, and I say this with the utmost sensitivity, I'm not talking about in comparison to, and this is something that is said often in United States culture, in American culture. You know, in comparison to the starving children in some other country, people love to throw in Africa, right? I'm talking about here in the United States in comparison to people here in the United States, in maybe not in your town, maybe not on your street, maybe it's the other side of your town or two towns over from where you live. Maybe it's a neighboring county. Maybe it's another state. And when it comes to the oppression of and harm against humans in black, brown, indigenous, and other bodies of color, when it comes to the oppression of and harm against humans who are trans, non-binary, queer, and a part of the LGBTQ plus community, when it comes to the oppression of and harm against humans who do not check the quote unquote normal box in each category of human characteristics according to the view and rule of white supremacy culture, what is freedom? So if you, my friend, if you hold multiple identities that are privileged and advantaged, what can you do with your anger and rage against the systems in the ways that they're affecting you? Because my assumption is if you're here listening to this podcast, then you are very, very, very clear on all the shit and the bullshit that is going on in this country and of course across the world. And so I'm sure you have very strong opinions about how the systems are affecting you. And also, if you are privileged and advantaged across multiple identities, what can you do with your anger and rage against the systems in the ways they are affecting others whose identities are more marginalized than your own? Because my friend, the reality is those of us with marginalized identities will experience freedom when and only when those with access, power, privilege, and advantage step up and step into the ring to fight against the systems and tear it all down, even when it's hard, even when you're overwhelmed and tired. Because the reality is if you live in a world where you can step away from the harm and injustice in the world to take a break from it, right, when it gets too hard and heavy, that's in thanks to your privilege and freedom. For instance, for me, I can step away from anti-trans legislation and take a break from all of the news and the horror that are affecting trans people. That is an advantage afforded to me because of my cisgendered identity. Same goes for anti-queer legislation events due to my heterosexuality identity. Same goes for the threat to uh, humans in black and indigenous bodies because their identities are different from and more marginalized than mine as a person of color. And because I can take a break from all of those things I just listed, it speaks to the importance of me stepping further into it and all of the hard. Because those who are living with those identities that are more marginalized than my own are not afforded to take a break from the injustice, the harm, and the threat to their lives. And my friend, it cannot and should not be left up to those with marginalized identities to fight for themselves and each other. So I come back to the question 
What can you do in the name of freedom for others? Beyond performance in the month that celebrates them, right? We just finished Pride Month and we saw performativity all over the place and shit go down in the name of not rocking the boat or not offending those with other values, right? Religious organizations, etc. How can you go beyond donating? And donating is important. Let me not say, let me make sure that that is clear. But how can you begin to challenge legislation? How can you have dif- begin to have difficult conversations with friends, families, and coworkers? How can you show up against the shit that is oppressive in your workplaces or in your work or within your business, right? The ways all of it's showing up. Because the reality is, friends, it's showing up, right? White supremacy culture is alive and well. Even within my own business, I've had to recognize the ways it comes up. So how can you educate your children beyond human kindness? How can you support the businesses of people with marginalized identities? How can you uplift their work? How can you offer them humanity and true care that they say they need? How can you really, truly work in the name of their freedom? So my friend, it's really clear (laughs) that because I've been talking about this for now seven minutes, right? I have very deep feelings about this and a lot to say. And for the sake of time, I'll pause here to move on to another topic that I have really deep feelings about. And it's what we're here to talk about today and is also another area of our lives that we desperately need to disrupt. And the shit that we need to talk about this week is that we need some more freaking ease in our lives. And I understand that everything that I just talked about is very real and valid and hard. And when I talk about ease, it can kind of seem insignificant or impossible or so far away, inconsequential even. And as I've just said in many words and all the fire emojis, we need to end all the horror and trauma and the bullshit of inequity and stripping people of their rights and all the ways that certain groups are in danger here or unsupported here in the United States and around the world. So we need to keep doing the work of standing up to all of that and... What I'm inviting you into is please let's also resource ourselves beyond or so we can allow more ease in our lives so that we can do this hard work. Because you know that I'm when I say be more at ease, I'm not talking about, you know, just taking a walk or taking a bath although those two are really great things. I'm talking about being at ease in your mind, in your heart, in your body, all the way down to your cells and the deepest layers of your tissue. And the reason is because our health needs it and also because this will fortify us as we continue to deconstruct the systems. Now, when it comes to summer, because here we are in July, right? Summer's vibe offers us such a sweetness in relaxing and being leisurely and being at ease. I mean, to be honest, it's necessary for the invitation of summer, right? And in order to properly use the energy, pitta energy, that fire energy, um, for the invitation to transform, expand, and reap. But I have to ask you a question. 
How often are you doing something relaxing that's, you know, quote unquote relaxing or quote unquote leisurely and yet your mind is racing a mile a minute or stuck on a loop with one thought or worry? Or maybe do you not feel at ease at all? Because I hear that from a lot of people. So I want you to know that you're not alone and there's nothing wrong with you, right? That's the system. That's just what the system has designed you to feel like. And so I find that when I talk about relaxing, leisure, things like that, you know, for a lot of people, it feels easier said than done. But I want you to know that there's no one right way and there's no one perfect way and there's no one perfect gateway either. It really is an individual process. And honestly, I have to tell you, it's really not about the specific action at all. Because due to the fast-paced nature of capitalism, due to all the horrors and injustices we're living in day in and day out, many of us are walking around in various states of dysregulation. And this is not just on the surface, but down to a cellular level. So as a result, we've got to meet ourselves in that place, right? Because if you are, you know, extremely, extremely dysregulated now or for you know, the last however long, it's not going to be easy for you to just sit on the couch and relax. It's just not. That's not the, your starting point. That's not the most appropriate or most supportive starting point. And so you must consider where are you? How are you feeling these days? How are you experiencing life, right? So, you know, always considering exactly what you are experiencing, And, you know, this is the invitation I constantly offer to the folks in my self-care mentorship program, the Holistic Self-Care Collective, right? Because they've got to meet themselves where they are. And the reality is they're all individuals. And the offering that I have for them this month is to be mellow, which is the direct opposite energy of Pitta. (laughs) And my Pitta dominant clients, of course, as to be expected, are like, what? (laughs) Mellow? Because here's the thing. When it comes to mellow, the Googler tells us the definition is pleasantly smooth or soft or free from harshness. And in our society, especially here in America, uh, there is a stigma attached to the human characteristic of soft. We consider, we say that often as like a dig. Oh, that person's soft. Oh, you're such a softy. As in like you're a pushover or somebody who's easily walked all over or you give in, quote unquote, right? Easily. But here's the thing. If you consider dysregulation, if you consider the baggage that you're carrying around or the trauma you're carrying around, how do you carry it and what does it feel like? What does it look like? How does it sound? You might be saying things like brittle, rough, fiery, right? It's, it's not smooth. It is not soft. It is probably parts of it harsh. And so if we are carrying that shit around, right, and many of us very expertly <laughs> carrying it around where maybe nobody can see it or it's tightly boxed up, but... It's there just because it's boxed up or we've learned to carry it for many, many years does not mean it does not affect us because it does. And it steals our ability or steals from our ability to be mellow. 
So think about it, right? If, if, if the anger you're carrying around is fiery, if the anxiety you're carrying around is, um, you know, described a certain way, like think about the characteristics of when you are feeling dysregulated or the shit that you're carrying around. How could you benefit from smoothing out those rough edges, from softening the intensity? What would free from harshness look like? Because think about this, right? If smooth or soft do not feel accessible to you, what is one step back from harshness? What's two steps back, three steps back, four steps back? And as I've said in recent episodes, when we're talking about balancing pitta, maybe what we talk about is softening the intensity, smoothing the intensity out. It's just a question for you right? How might this apply to you and meet you where you are right now? So today I'm offering a lot of options to help you, to support you. And they fall within two categories of Ayurveda's seven guiding principles for self-care that I like to share. And these two that we're talking about today are taking it easy and abundant and restful sleep. We're going to talk about both of these principles generally and also through the lens of summer as well. So when it comes to taking it easy, we're talking about a few different things and I'll be covering about seven to be exact. And as always, don't forget that this is not an exhausted list, exhaustive list. I hope it's not exhausting either. <laughs> so the first one is hobbies, something that you do for pleasure. And back in January, I was talking about all of my annoyance with how the word pleasure in our uptight American society, for those of you who are listening and you're not immersed in American society, I'm wondering if it's the same where you live as well. Um, but here in America, the word pleasure is mostly associated with sexual gratification, which sexual pleasure is amazing if all people involved are consenting adults. And it should not at all be demonized or some, you know, hush-hush topic. And I bring this up because when I'm facilitating in certain spaces and I say the word pleasure, there's a change in the air as if I said some forbidden word. So I want to be clear that when I say pleasure, yes, of course, it could be sexual gratification. Again, if all parties involved are consenting adults. And pleasure also means, according to the Googler, happy satisfaction and enjoyment. So when it comes to hobbies, I'm happy for you to have happy satisfaction and enjoyment in any way. Again, as long as consent is involved, it could absolutely be sex and it could also be any activity that gives you joy. Unfortunately, as adults, there's not a lot of time open for hobbies like sports that you might enjoy or activities that you like to enjoy or things you like to go and do, especially outside of the house. Whether that's because those with marginalized identities and particularly BIPOC folks, you know, we having to work extra for less or because the systems tell us that we must work hard at all costs and leisure must be earned. As a result, there's not enough time and also a whole lot of guilt for people when they actually do make the time. But my friends, remember, allowing yourself time to do whatever brings you joy is essential. So fucking do it and screw the guilt. That's what I have to say about that in a nutshell. <laughs> Hobbies. What are they? Maybe you haven't done one in a while. Maybe it's been put on the back burner for whatever circumstance in your life. I know for me, since I had kids, 
you know, I didn't, I've talked about this a lot. You know, I, I'm not that person who, and, and when I say that person, I'm not at all. This is not without judgment. I, I should say this is not with judgment. Um, you know, but I'm not the person that lost myself in terms of my kids and my kids needs and like showing up for them. I'm, I'm, I'm not that person. Um, I think I lost myself in, in my identities, uh, because it was either I was working or I was parenting. Um, and I felt also that I had just changed a lot and I, I didn't really know what I liked anymore. So I've had to figure out what my hobbies are now <laughs> as a 41 year old person. Um, and so you might be surprised that some of the old things that you used to love to do, you don't love to do anymore, or maybe you do. So I encourage you to begin exploring that. Summer's a wonderful time for hobbies. The next offering is quiet time, which can be with others or by yourself. And note that quiet doesn't mean your body has to be still. It could be walking, driving, cooking, cleaning, and silence, you know, sometimes. It doesn't always have to be all those things, always silent, right? It could be sitting in silence. There are really so many options. And the reason that quiet time is so important is because we live in a society that is, you know, sensory overload. And our brain and our system need time to literally not be so bombarded all the time. And I, I also know that quiet time can be super uncomfortable because for some people, that's when their mind races the most and the volume on their thoughts are the loudest. I completely hear you. It is quite common considering how much baggage and trauma, you know, we're walking around with. Some of us, not all of us, of course. Um, and so when I say we, please know um, – I'm trying to get better with the we statements that some of us are walking around with. Um, and so if, if that's you, I encourage you to get support and continue to find ways through this because quiet time is of the essence. The next offering is time to yourself. And for any of you who are parents or caregivers, you might be chuckling or rolling your eyes because when you're responsible for the care of others, it can feel like an impossibility to get time for yourself. And I completely hear that. I also cannot stress this practice enough. Time to yourself where you are by yourself, where you are doing what you want to do, um, not what your partner, your children, your friends, family, or anyone else wants. And when I say by yourself, I don't necessarily mean like seclusion. Maybe you are around other people, but it's not people that you like went to this place or to this thing with, right? So yeah, you can be like in public, of course, but time to yourself, right? With zero explanation, zero shame, zero, you know, I had to earn this. Because cultivating and maintaining a loving relationship with yourself, just like you do those who are more most important in your life, is essential. And it'll help you, right, starting to dabble into this practice will help you create and enforce boundaries, both with what doesn't serve you and what does. So yes, do this. And the next option for um, ooh, taking it easy is to... Spend some time outside in nature. If it is safe for you to do so, please get outside in nature more and experience the, the sights, maybe enjoying it with your eyes and not through the camera on your phone because I know we always want to take pictures. You know, experience the sounds, maybe not using your, your earbuds that day to listen to music or have a phone conversation, maybe hold some phone calls till later. 
experiencing the smells, the energy, because friends, we are nature and connecting with it, even just standing in the sun for a few moments can soothe us, soften rough edges and create space in our being. It can diffuse anger. It can create space for problem solving. I'm not exaggerating. It's true. Some of you know that in the last couple of years, I've really fallen in love with sky watching. I freaking love to look at the sky. While I'm walking, while I'm driving, sitting, it doesn't matter. It's one of my favorite things. And it's, it's for me, it's so magnificent, magnificent, the sky. And it's also majestic. For me, there's something so connecting when I'm sky watching. And I think that the sky honestly reminds me of myself. Sometimes big ass energy, sometimes moody, sometimes, you know, bright and really just the vibes that are ever changing. Maybe that's the connection. And so when I take my walks, I'm rarely on my phone or listening to music. I'm just kind of walking, clearing my head, sometimes dreaming, looking at the sky and really trying not to trip because, you know, looking upward, walking on sidewalk. Well, that's a hazard, right? <laughs> An accident waiting to happen. Um, and particularly for the summertime, if you're heading outside, enjoy nature during the cooler hours. So early morning or later on in the evening, again, when you're safe to do so. Maybe wearing a hat, sunglasses, sunscreen, obviously. And also, um, when it comes to the heat of nature in the summertime, on very hot days, you could take a short afternoon nap when you have the opportunity, um, when you're feeling a lull in energy. Um, that's always a great time. Um, if you do not have the ability to um, come to a nap, you might just come to a, 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 a still position for a few moments. You might, you know, take your eyes away from your screen. You might um, breathe. You could even meditate if, you know, say you're at work and you're not able to take a break to go take a nap somewhere <laughs> if you uh, work outside the home. Uh, something else that people find to be easeful during, um, you know, any day of the year is essential oils. Um, and if that's your jam in the summer, it's a great time to use jasmine, rose, mint, and citrus. Um, and so feel free to explore that uh, to your heart's content. I particularly love peppermint. Um, but that's me. And if you've been around the show for a while, you know what my last two suggestions are going to be for taking it easy. The R practices and seven types of rest. Now the R practices are releasing tension, relaxing, resting, regenerating, and rejuvenating. And so relaxing, te releasing tension stimulates the release of toxins and tightness like any practice that can do that does that. Relaxing is doing something that's enjoyable or doesn't require much effort. Resting is allowing yourself to to reduce stimulation. Um, oftentimes that is sedentary, but it doesn't need to be. Regenerating is re any practice that repairs damaged tissue and promotes healing. Rejuvenating also repairs damaged tissue and restores it as well. Now, when it comes to releasing tension or rejuvenating, you know, re repairing damaged tissue and also restoring it, um, you might do something like mobility exercises um, for your different joints. You might stretch. You might do um, some sort of self-massage or get a massage. You might take a walk. Uh, yoga nidra also um, is a fantastic practice for both releasing tension and rejuvenating the cells. Um, and I offer uh, a practice each 
month in the collective. This month, I'm offering a practice from Radiant Rest, Tracy Stanley's book, and it's called um, it, it's a blissful nectar or something. Oh, excuse me, something along those lines. My apologies, and. Um, it is just such a wonderful practice that calls on the moon energy, the lunar energy that promotes calmness and cooling and um, nurturing for for all the layers of consciousness um, and all the layers of our cell, of our physical being down to our cells and tissues. Um, so it's really, really beautiful. Um, in terms of relaxing, that might be watching TV or listening to music. It could be reading for leisure, coloring, painting, anything that just allows you to kind of, you know, be and enjoy and pleasure. Um, a hobby that's not strenuous. Could be your evening wind down uh, practices that we'll talk about in a little while. Some of these could be those evening wind down practices. And in terms of regenerative practices, you might be purposely sedentary or quiet. You might take a nap. It could be Shavasana or 61 points of meditation, maybe restorative yoga, um, which obviously can be regenerative or rejuvenating, and also breathing and meditation practices. So there are some breath work practices that are particularly um, supportive for the summertime. We talked about them a little bit uh, last episode, we'll talk about them more in a coming episode, like shitali and left nostril breathing. And so these are just some ideas. These are not an ex exhaustive or extensive list. And so you can feel free to kind of play around with those and see. But those practices are going to be really important, as is rest. And when it comes to rest, I'm offering something that I have seen in the last uh, eight months or so within the wellness space really blow up in a good way, um, seven types of rest. And these are physical, mental, sensory, creative, emotional, social, and spiritual practices. And just like with the categories I just gave you in terms of the three R, the, um, R practices, um, you might find that some practices you know, fit in multiple categories, and that's okay. But what I want you to consider is – and you may have already done this in other um, episodes during other seasons with me because there are practices that you do that will be fitting year-round. And absolutely use those. Something else I'd like you to consider, though, are summer-specific practices. What are practices that might be particularly supportive for this season for you? So my friends, I'm going to pause our conversation on taking it easy here, and I want to move on now to our next place, which is abundant and restful sleep. So here we're talking about powering down, evening rituals, and sleep, but I have to tell you that there are practices we've already talked about in recent episodes that are big players here. Daily rhythm, and there's a very short short Cliff Notes version on in the last episode, number 27. But your best bet is to head to episode 26 because that gives you every bit of detailed guidance on daily rhythm. Um, we also already talked about in episode 27 about slowing your roll and pausing throughout the day. Um, so please be sure to check out the last episode if you haven't already. And another big factor in abundant and restful sleep that we've already talked about recently is your morning ritual and the way the support starts from the very beginning of your day. So if you, again, 27, head to over to that episode uh, because I'm going, I go over the framework, but really you can also go back to episode 18 from April for a full explanation of each morning routine practice that Ayurveda offers. Again, not an extensive 
list or exhaustive list, but some of the, you know, real important uh, players in morning ritual. Because for real, for real, a morning routine is huge. It sets the tone for the day. It's a great support for your body and mind. It allows for steadiness and connection from the very beginning that will fortify you throughout the day. So if you're craving more peace and ease and, you know, that elusive control in your day, this is a really important place to start because you'll be able to do practices that you can come back to later on in the day. And when you have a routine in the morning, it's more likely you'll turn to supportive self-care practices when you're faced with challenges, right? Because you already have the habit in place of caring for yourself. So when shit gets hard, you're going to turn to yourself for soothing. You're going to turn to yourself to gauge what you need and how you feel you need to move forward. And the worst case scenario is that if the rest of your morning or the rest of your day goes awry, the energy from the rituals will support your nervous system, even when you or the world are losing this shit. Your, it's shit, I really promise you. And so besides all of those things, some of the other practices that are going to support abundant and restful sleep are powering down and evening rituals that are really important for the summertime especially. Powering down is literally the process of powering down, as you could imagine. And so this is kind of in terms of like slowly decreasing your speed and intensity, right? Because again, if you are pitta dominant and you're go, 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 um, you know, just crushing things, really motivated, intense, well, slowing down isn't going to sound great. (laughs) So maybe decreasing your speed a little bit or decreasing your intensity might, you know, one of those might sit a little bit better for you. You can look at powering down like the cool down of your workout or the descent process of a plane preparing to land, right? That happens gradually over a long period of time. And that's exactly what you want to do each day. Powering down period happens in Ayurveda between the hours of 6 and 10 p.m. And that's because then it's leveraging the dominance of kapha energy, that slow-moving, calm, peaceful vibe, that steady vibe. And it's a great time to begin prep for the next day and a really beautiful time for the take-it-easy practices we discussed earlier, as well as evening rituals like the self-love activities you could do before bed. Any of the R practices that we talked about are wonderful evening rituals as well as, you know, bathing, washing your face, all of your hygiene practices are evening rituals and self-love practices as well. Another piece of the abundant and restful sleep process or, or practice is the process of disconnecting from work and the stress of the day. Boundaries, my friend, are huge here. So, you know, working towards one day, signing off from work pretty consistently all things work at least two if not three hours before bed is what you're going to be working toward and you know working towards being off of devices 30 to 60 minutes before bed and here's the thing I know again all of this might sound impossible or pie in the sky and that's because of how the system has conditioned us and also forced us to end the day right often running around at extremely fast pace doing errands and all the things that need to be taken care of This is something I work with my clients on in the collective because the struggle is real and it's different for everyone. So if you're also having trouble with this, it's not just you. I mean, for me, for my family, the evening is is wild times. Getting dinner on the table, trying to have a meal in peace if the kids will allow that, Um, getting the kids out the door to practice, me teaching classes for the collective, you know, washing up all the things that were used in the day, preparing for the next day before we're getting the kids into the bed. 
it feels to us equally like a sprint and a marathon at the same time. And I can't explain it any other way. And it's because of that for me that slowing down throughout the day or at least softening the intensity of the rest of the day, you know, pausing, they're all so crucial so that I can have the bandwidth and capacity for the end of the day things. And all over the last few years of my, having my business, I've really worked at softening my intensity not only during the day, but in the end of the day period. And that has become a game changer because the reality is life is happening, right? People have shit going on and we don't always have the space we'd like to figure out how to meet ourselves there in the most supportive, you know, in the most supportive way. It may not be accessible in the moment. And so the key is to start considering it outside of the evening hours, right? Like taking a step back earlier in the day or on the weekend sometime. How could I come to this in a little less of an intense way to interrupt the cycle and the pace that you keep? And for me, I've also created boundaries in my end of the day period um, for my sanity's sake. And it really has served me well. Now, some of your evening rituals or before bed rituals might, like I said, might include your hygiene practices. It may include a download of the day into your journal or a conversation with a trusted loved one. It could be meditation or breathing, could be some gentle stretching or restorative yoga. So all of those are practices, self-massage. And in the summer, an evening ritual that's particularly supportive for keeping cool is an oil foot massage to draw the heat down. You can use coconut oil, but if vata energy is pretty high for you one day, you might use olive oil instead, like the kind that you cook with, because coconut oil can be aggravating if vata is high. And when it comes to sleep in the summer, you're going to want to be asleep somewhere between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. most days. That's to avoid an overstimulated mind. Now, of course, my friends, there's flexibility here. We're not going for a rigidity, right? Anytime you have a special circumstance. But the key is to not stay up till all hours of the night every single day. So that way you're not interrupting the, the essential digestive, regenerative, and rejuvenative processes that only happen overnight while you sleep. And then anytime you do stay up late at night, be sure to create space for yourself the next day to be gentle and compassionate and maybe a little bit slower moving the next day so that you can get back into that daily rhythm and get back on to that, you know, sleep train that night. And in the summer when heading to sleep, maybe consider lying on your right side to activate the left nostril to activate cooling and calming energy. Now, my friend, the reminder, be truly at ease this summer in your mind, heart, and all of your cells as you transform, expand, and reap. Remember that the key to a harmonious summer and beyond is to maintain, sustain, and preserve yourself. Slow and steady wins the race so that you can head into fall feeling stable and resourced. So I have to ask you, as I always do, how can you use these teachings or what comes up for you to human more easily? And to support and uplift those in your community, especially those who are different from or hold identities more marginalized than your own. How can you use it to connect more authentically and deeply to your community and to begin to move toward mass mutual reliance and away from Western cultures, individualism, society? Maybe you're considering taking this a step further and wondering how to interrupt oppressive and toxic systems at work while taking good care of yourself. And my friend, you're going to find these answers and the guidance you need in the Disruptors Leadership Academy. And the how of 
interrupting the oppressive and toxic systems at work while taking good care of yourself includes invigorating and breathing new life into your process of breaking down dominant culture, moving out of performative disruption and into being intentional about your actions and making real impact, leaning into community support for navigating the feelings and emotions that come with being a disruptor, beginning to heal from burnout and or some of the harm that you may have experienced or that may have been caused to you, and aligning your self-care practices with your needs, bandwidth, and capacity, as I always say. My friends, the Disruptors Leadership Academy, or DLA, is an online program for leaders, professionals, and anyone who is committed to disrupting oppressive systems in their work and their life. And that's probably you, friend. And this program begins on Sunday, August 13th. By the end of your time in the Disruptors Leadership Academy in February 2024, you'll have gained an understanding of your own biases and blind spots that are hindering you from making an impact. You'll have learned best practices for dealing with and managing situations where harm has occurred either to you or to others. You'll have determined the best tools to use for assessing your equity and inclusion work based on your specific situations. You'll have evaluated the root cause of where the issues of equity, inclusion, and bypassing your care are occurring in your work. You'll have explored self-care practices that bring you back to yourself and support your individual needs personally and professionally as well as practices to connect more deeply to community care. And you'll have decided on realistic actions to put into practice, assess, and iterate upon over time. My friend, I encourage you to join the founding cohort of DLA to disrupt, dismantle, and unpack the bullshit while deeply caring for yourself as you tear the bullshit all the way down and make a big-ass impact. Applications are open, and you can get all the program info at bit.ly slash DLA 2023. 15 spots are available and applications close July 28th. We really hope to see you there. Until next time, my friend, please be kind and gentle to yourself just as you would those who are most precious to you, whether that's a human, animal, baby, or plant. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the support and guidance I provide in this episode. So feel free to reach out. I love to hear from you and please share it with me. If you've been loving the show, please share it with your nearest and dearest and leave a review or rating. My friend, remember you are a badass and you are enough. Now go be your favorite self and be well. Humaning is a production of Steph Galante Self-Care, LLC. The show is produced by me, Steph Galante. You can find blog posts of some of the episodes on the episode page at stephgalante.com slash podcast, along with the transcript of today's episode and any other resources I shared today. If you're ready to create more aligned practices for yourself, head to stephgalante.com to learn more about creating a personalized self-care plan within the Holistic Self-Care Collective and coaching with me. You are a badass and you are enough. See you next time. Be well.